Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. As we get closer towards Christmas and celebrating the Advent of our Lord, we're going to continue in our series entitled Simply Jesus. Today we will contrast two more characters from the infancy narrative, the wise men as kings and King Herod. We will look at key characteristics of their response to the birth of the new king of kings to see how we too must learn to approach Jesus. Thanks for joining us today as we look towards welcoming Jesus with wisdom and worship. Do you guys know the game Red Light, Green Light? Yeah. You know that game. Raise your hand if you like that game. All the kids like it. So Red Light, Green Light is a game that I played when I was their age where you'd get on a line and you'd have to race everybody else and you'd have a leader up front that would say green light and you'd run, 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 run and then they'd say red light and you'd have to stop. You had to freeze as fast as you can. And what happens if you don't freeze? You gotta go all the way back to the line. Now, I don't particularly like someone telling me red light. (laughs) So when I was a kid, where do you think I ended up going? Back? back the line. I think this uh, uh, overflowed into my adult life as well. Anybody else with me? You see the yellow and you gun it, right? Uh, There's a a fatal flaw in the human condition. There's there's a fatal flaw because of sin. And it's that we don't like to take instructions. (laughs) We really don't. Uh, We don't like anyone telling us what to do. And it's not only simply adults struggle with this. You could see it from a very young age. That we're born with a propensity towards self-rule. I want to decide when I run. I want to decide when I stop. I don't want anybody else telling me what to do. And this is a problem in our lives. Not only how we have to live with one another. This is a problem with how we relate to God. Because God does not come to us and offer a second-tiered role in our lives. That's not what the term Lord means. Lord means you rule. You are in charge, and I'll follow you even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. Our short homily today, just as we want to, again, focus on Jesus in the midst of the crazy that has uh, surrounded in a very idolatrous fashion the season of Christmas, uh, we want to focus on looking at two different distinct characters within the infant narrative. Last week, if you were here, you'll remember that we examined two different characters. We looked at the shepherds and we looked at the innkeeper. Do you remember that? We, we saw how these two different uh, sets of characters had a completely different response to the oncoming advent of Jesus. And it was because one didn't want to hold the simply Jesus and the other was willing to sacrifice everything, to leave the sheep in the field, to leave their job and to go and worship. Well, today we're going to do the same thing. We're going, to, we're going to examine two different characters and we're going to see the contrast between how they respond to the little child in a manger who was foretold in the Old Testament. For this, we're going to be in Matthew's Gospel very briefly this morning. I invite you to turn there if you have a Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, we have one in the back of the pew right there in front of you. Um, we're going to read a few verses uh, starting in Matthew chapter 2. In my Bible, it starts with a heading that says, The Visit of the Magi. And we're going to look at two different characters. That's what we're going to try to see, a contrast between the two. If you have your uh, bulletin with sermon notes, you'll see that we're going to have just a a real quick set of six observations. 
and two conclusions for us to work through as we want to obey God's word in our lives and devote our attention to it today. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Matthew records, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or maybe you've heard them as wise men, these are kings, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one that has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that he heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, they, Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. All right, we'll pause in our story right there. If you are familiar, though, with the rest of it, and I would encourage you to read it if you haven't, you'll know that King Herod is actually not wanting to go and worship. He has some other devious plans in mind for the Christ child. Um, There's a few things that I'd like to just highlight here as we are going to begin some observations. The first is uh, sometimes we think of the Magi coming at Jesus's birth in the manger. That's not the case. This is not in the stables. This is not on the night with the shepherds. This is very likely within Jesus's first year of birth. So he would be less than two years old. He would still be a small baby, uh, but he is not the newborn in the major at this point when the Magi come and arrive. Additionally, we don't know how many kings there were. We don't know how many wise men there were. How many do we think there were? Come on, kids, how many? Why do we think there's three? Be very good. Yes, because there were three gifts that they presented. And so traditionally, uh, the church has, has thought this is uh, three wise men. In fact, uh, the, the Latin church, the, the Roman church, after a couple of centuries, they actually came up with names for these three guys. Uh, but we don't know. We, it, it could have been more. It could have been less. But uh, three is what we see. It, however, was not likely three. Uh, the thing that I want us to focus on was how Jesus was treated in the eyes of the kings. So, so Herod is a ruler, right? Herod is a king, and Herod has a particular response to the news of a newborn king. And then you have the Magi, who are also kings, and they have a completely different response. Do, 
Do you guys see the difference here? But all, all we're dealing with in this story are rulers. That's all we're dealing with. And yet the main question that we have to wrestle through is, why did they come to complete different responses? And as you might know, the title of our series is going to have something to do with it. So a couple of observations to work through. The first is this. The gifts for Jesus are not for his birthday, but they are for his kingship. Um, I, I have for many years thought that when they came to present gifts to Jesus... In fact, the text even mentions that they know that there's one who is born, that we think it's a birthday present. In fact, at Christmas, we celebrate Jesus's birthday and gold and frankincense and myrrh, I always thought were birthday presents. But do you know they're not for his birthday? Uh, that's actually a really crazy gift to give an infant, by the way. You probably should have got a diaper genie. <laughs> not myrrh, right? Not incense. Uh, these instead would be gifts of tribute that you would give from one royalty, from one kingdom to another to show that there is harmony and partnership and union between the kingdoms. So I, I want us to just think about that for a moment because the wise men are coming not to recognize Jesus's birth. The wise men are coming to recognize Jesus's kingship. And that's what the gifts are reflecting. Second is this, the Jews had evidence for Jesus' birth, for the Messiah's birth. I want, I want you to see that in the story. It showed up in verse 5. After Herod hears about this, he gathers all of the people who are going to be able to explain to him, where is this happening now? And do you know what they found out? They knew right where it was. They knew where the Messiah was going to be born. They knew the city, the town, where he would come from. And yet they weren't interested. I find this today somewhat convicting for those that would be cultural Christians in our community. Folks that say that they're Christian but are so easily, easily misprioritized in the ruling and kingship of Jesus in their life. What about, what about you? What about me? You know, there, there's times in my life where I know, I know, you know, but are we really interested to follow? I find a little conviction with that because we're not too far off from the, from the Jewish people at this point. They knew, they had the evidence, they knew it was Bethlehem, and yet uh, they weren't willing, they weren't interested to go there and worship him. Third is this, those uh, threatened by Jesus will scheme against Jesus. I hope that you caught this in the text. This comes uh, as Herod, in verse 7, look with me there. Herod calls the Magi, uh, how? How does your Bible characterize it? Secretly. Uh, th this is the red flag of scheming that's going on. In fact, I want you to pay attention to his question. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but he doesn't ask them where the Christ will be found. He already knows that information. Look what Herod tries to find out. He wants to find out the exact time the star appeared to them. Think, think with me about that for a moment. Why do you suppose Herod would be interested in the time frame of when the star appeared? I submit to you, I believe it's because he's trying to learn how old this child is. He's trying to come up with uh, 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 and narrow the, the scan and the search for this, in, this one who is now a threat to his throne. And so if Jesus is a threat to you, you will scheme against him. Uh, I, I've seen this throughout my ministry. I've seen this in 
many examples for people who don't want to submit to the rule of Jesus, uh, they will very, very easily be led into gossip and lies, slandering the ministry, the church, even myself, uh, because they don't like Jesus. And they don't like Jesus's commands or his rule when he says, live like this and not like that. And that interferes with their own sensibilities. Jesus becomes a threat. And when Jesus is a threat, you'll scheme just like Herod did. Number four, uh, those who seek simply Jesus. So these are the other kings. These are the wise men, the magi. They will worship Jesus. Uh, I, I want you to know that if this is you, if you can just say, just give me Jesus and only Jesus. I guarantee that will lead you to worship Jesus. And if you look with me back in the text, you will see that's precisely what happens. They see the star, verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with the mother and look at what they do. They bow down and they worshiped him. Those who seek simply Jesus, they will worship Jesus. Number five, those who seek simply Jesus are also led by Jesus. I want you to know that uh, there's a great hope for you and I in this. Uh, verse 12 is the place where you're going to find um, uh, hope. Because had the Magi returned back to Herod, how do you think that meeting might have gone? Uh, but instead, look what it says. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Who do you think gave them that dream? Go ahead, Joy. It came from God. That's right. God put it in their hearts to lead them in the path that they should go. And this is a result of their desire to cling simply to Jesus and nothing else. I hope that that's good news for you this morning because you're going to be tempted in this world and in your life to hold to many things and misprioritize God by putting other things higher. But if you reverse that and follow the paradigm that God sets out for his people by putting God first, here's the good news. He'll lead you. He will lead you. And if you're anything like me, you know you need that in your life. I need God's leading in my life. Um, there's more that I could say about this. And if you continue to read the story, you'll see how God continues to lead. Probably in the most predominant way that I already skipped over was what was up in the sky, you guys? What was it that was shining? The star. And it was the star that led them. Uh, God will give you a kind of star in your life through his spirit and through his word and through the collective worship of his people to guide you, to guide me. Lastly is this, and this is the big one. Jesus is to be worshipped, not because of what he said and did, but because of who he is. I think that contemporarily in the church and in the world today, there is a kind of attitude towards Jesus and the church that says, yeah, give me your best argument. Give me your best argument for the evidence of God or I'll read the Bible and I'll, I'll listen to what Jesus did and said about himself. But here's the problem with that. When you approach God on the basis of evidence, you become the judge. How dangerous is that? I want you to know that there, there is a response that we have to Jesus's words and his works. There absolutely is. But was that necessary for the Magi? Did the wise men need Jesus to raise the dead? Did the wise men need to see Jesus walk on water? Did the wise men need to hear the words of the gospel from Jesus in order to know that he's the king? They did not. 
And that's why what I want us to be careful with is that we don't propagate in our lives from the pressure of the culture this attitude that says, yeah, give me your best argument and I'll decide if he's king. He is king. Amen? Amen. He is. And it's, it, it's a question not for you to determine if he is or if he ain't. <laughs> he is. It's a question for you to say, am I going to hold to him simply and follow? Or am I going to be the one who acts as though I'm the judge? So with that in mind, I want to give us just two very stark conclusions from this text. The first is, if you live for your own power and authority... Jesus will be a threat to you. Herod lived for his power. Herod lived for his authority. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. Green light when he wanted green light. Red light when he wanted red light. And Jesus was a threat to Herod. I got this from one commentary. It says that Herod loved power. He was inflicted incredibly, uh, he inflicted incredibly high taxes on the people. He resented the fact that many Jews considered him a usurper. In his last years, suffering an illness that compounded his paranoia, he turned to cruelty in his fits of rage and jealousy. He killed his close associates, he killed his wife, and he killed at least two of his sons. That's the kind of person who has not put Jesus or God first in his life. And because of that... Jesus is a threat. The opposite is also true. But I want you to see something that you might have missed in the text. If you look back with me in verse 3, I want you to see that if you live under the power and authority of man's rule, Jesus will also be a threat to you. Verse 3, when King Herod heard all this, he was disturbed. Do you know in all my time reading this passage... I always stopped there. I didn't finish the sentence. Did you see what the rest of the sentence says? It just wasn't Herod who was disturbed, you know. I totally get why Herod was disturbed. You're saying there's another king? You're saying someone's going to come take my throne? That's unacceptable. Herod has every right by his own desire for power and authority to be disturbed. But that's not what the Bible says. Do you see what it says? It says, and all Jerusalem with him. When I read that this week, I had to go back and and just pause for a moment. Because it's not just living for your own power and authority. It's living under anyone else's power and authority. I'm not going to get political on a Christmas message before our children's program. I ain't going to do that. But I think you know where I could go with that. Be very careful. That you listen to the words read by Derek this morning from the Old Testament in Isaiah. It says, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. And the government shall be on his shoulders. For you, if you belong to Christ, if you're a member of the church, not this church, but the church. That means you have a king to follow. And it will not make you popular in this world. And you have two battles to fight then. You have the battle to fight in your own heart where you want red light, green light, when you want it. That's one battle that you get to fight. To learn to die to yourself and put God higher than you and be willing to follow even if it's unpopular. And the second battle that you will have to fight is one in our society and in our culture that wants to determine what right and wrong is through legislation. And you are going to have to be left with deciding, am I going to follow the clear written 
instruction from God's word, or am I going to tote the line of human rulers? Because if you do, Jesus will be a threat to you. And you will start to wander far, and you will start to separate from, and you will start to scheme in your heart to anyone who's a threat. So what do we do with this today? I, I have in your sermon notes a challenge because I'm not convinced everyone here cares about my sermon. <laughs> I'm not convinced everybody's really listening. But if you are, if you're serious this Christmas, if, if you're hearing God's word and recognize this and think, yeah, I need that challenge in my life, then this is what I'd like to offer you, a question. Ask yourself, because it'll be different for every one of us in some respect. Ask yourself, where do I still resist God's authority? Where in my life am I still resistant to listening to his rule and instruction in place of either my own or human values and laws? And if you do find that, I think that the answer is encouraging because it comes right out of our text today. Kids, what were the wise men doing? They were looking for what? The star. The star. They were looking. And they were searching. Do you remember what Herod said? You go to Bethlehem. That's where you can search. Seek him. Our text also from Derek today. Do you remember the passage from Jesus? When you seek me, you will find me. Whoever knocks, the door will be opened. This is great encouragement for you today because I need to hear this. Do you know that there are places in my life that I resist the rule of Christ? There are. And if that's true for me, I believe that's true for you too. Here's how you fix that. Seek simply Jesus. And then be willing to follow simply Jesus. Because it wasn't enough for the Magi just to spot the star. What did they do after they spotted it, kids? They followed it. And then they looked for Jesus. And they found Jesus. They followed Jesus. Let's pray this morning.